So as much as we've tried to stop talking about NFTs, now we have a really interesting angle that we have to explore. <laughs> uh, Dan, you were talking to Tim Kingsbury from Arcade Fire, and he made yeah. a very astute observation about the particular celebrities who seem to be invested in Bored Apes in yeah. a way that only a guy who knows the industry could like pinpoint. Yeah, so Tim was Tim was listening to Tim was listening to an NPR program about uh Bored Ape Yacht Club and realized that uh all of the celebrities mentioned who have been like the public face of Bored Ape Yacht Club, like when Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon got an ape, you know, and everybody was like, oh, this is real. Uh, celebrities are uh, are buying this, so it, it, it must be real and good. And like, <laughs> I don't it's think not... it's real until you get two Jimmys. <laughs> yeah. One exactly. Jimmy, that's okay, but I want to see Kimmel with an ape. You need multiple <laughs> Jimmys. Yeah. Two Jimmys. The two, two Jimmy G rule. Two Jimmys to validate. Um, so so yeah, Tim realized that all of these high-profile celebrities that have been um, sort of legitimizing, for lack of a better word, like uh, the idea of buying a bored ape, are all managed by the same fucking guy, <laughs> whose name is Guy Osieri, um, who was like a wonderkind in the 1990s. He signed Alanis Morissette, um, Prodigy, uh, Candlebox bunch of other bands uh started a management company called maverick um yeah which, when he was 19 he did the, like it was like madonna's label mm -hmm. and then when he was 19 he was one of the first people who got on board and that's yeah. how that all started to come together and maverick grew till it became this like kind of colossus and like absorbed up other management companies um i think arcade fire's former managers uh company itself got sort of absorbed into uh absorbed into maverick he, he you know uh, osiri manages u2 uh maverick handles the chili peppers but he also was very uh interested in nfts and got in on the ground floor basically and charles you kind of you kind of found what i think is the uh the sort of event horizon of this, like the the, the, yeah. the initial point. Well, maybe we should keep uh, going kind of chronologically up to there, though, because I guess it's it's kind of worth repeating or uh, explaining that, like, you know, in the late '90s, early 2000s, he worked with like Prodigy, Alanis Morissette, Deftones, Paul Oakenfold, Michelle Branch, like all kinds of things. He did he did stuff for like Austin Powers, The Matrix, Kill Bill, like. Really huge stuff, like possibly the Rugrats movie, because he's yeah, kinda... yeah he has his own his own page on the Rugrats wiki. Yeah, he has his uh, his own Rugrats wiki page, which is an honor. I would love to have, but there doesn't seem to be any sort of connection. Well, it, it he's listed under the Rugrats, Rugrats movie, so my guess is that it's something to do with the soundtrack, since all his uh, his involvement in like the Matrix and shit is doing the soundtrack. Yeah, hence yeah, why yeah. the Prodigy was in that. And it's it's not just um it's it's not just his involvement with Maverick and his clients through Maverick. It's also he has he's a very very influential person in in Hollywood, like in in the music industry. And he kind of has a seat at the table at CAA. Um, he's I was reading a recent article where it sounds like he's transitioning into like a, an advisory position, whatever that is, at Live Nation. So. 
Yeah, he's a, he's a big fucking deal. Yeah, executive producer of Last Call with Carson Daly. Like, he just has so many different random things. He was Madonna's manager for a while since he's been close with her forever. He's authored four books, including a book on Jewish influences in the music industry titled Jews Who Rock. Yes. That's a good book title. That is probably the only time I've heard the phrase, including a, a, a book on Jewish influences in the music industry. And it's a positive thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Usually it's like Wagner or <laughs> Hitler. Yeah. Temple, uh, of, yeah, Temple of Blood presents Jewish music uh, influences, you know, shit like that. As we get to the more recent years, that's when you see his like transition away from what he made his name on, where he started a um, like venture capital firm with Ashton Kutcher. Interestingly, which I didn't know Ashton Kutcher was this heavy in like VC shit. Man, um, didn't he that, run a news website for a while? Oh, maybe. I don't know. He still just seems so goofy to me. He wants to be taken seriously so bad, but he's Kelso. Yeah. To me, he's Kelso. That'd be a good way to uh, power play him in the boardroom at like a VC meeting. <laughs> like, oh, hey, man, remember that one episode? Where, like, uh, you tried to pretend like the oregano was weed or whatever? I would start questioning him about Danny Masterson. How much did you know, Ashton? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) I, I, yeah, I can't speak. (laughs) I would question him about Donna and her going to prison for drug trafficking, confusing it with Orange is the New Black. Yeah. (laughs) I would try every angle. I I had one interaction with ashton kutcher when i lived in los angeles which was i was um, oh you didn't get punked tell me you didn't get punked. i did not well i mean i guess i kind of got punked but i was informally informally punked uh in the back room of la poubelle this uh restaurant in uh, los Feliz, uh just hanging out eating some food and Ashton Kutcher just kind of comes crashing through the door wearing like what I can only describe as like a child's backpack, like a, like a tiny little backpack. And 